0: The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision.
1: My team, power. I, love the power. I love the power. I love the power.
0: I love the power. Hi, everyone. Macca19 here, and this is the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast brought to you live on Port Fan Radio. Rick, once again, is in the co host chair. How are, how are you, buddy?
1: Good. What about you?
0: Good, mate. Very good.
1: I'm, I'm slightly recovering. I was a bit hungover this morning, but um, it was a big day at the footy. It was a good day.
0: Had a few drinks, mate.
1: Oh, I had a couple. Got to take advantage of those um, corporate packages when they're available.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And I guess this evening is Bomber Clifford. G'day. How are
1: we, big bomber? <laughs>
2: I'm good. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I missed out on any uh, corporate package yesterday, but, um, but uh, looked after myself in that regard. Had a big day. <laughs> That's the way.
1: Mm.
0: That's it. Well, look, let's get straight into it and talk about our love and hate, which is one thing we loved, one thing we hated about Port Adelaide over the past week. Uh, Rick, mate, I'll start with your love.
1: Awesome. Bomber break out the uh, the golden gay times man because I've got a confession I love big dicks What a what a game wasn't it exciting have that big dick up forward and god he was just entertaining the whole game the anticipation you could feel it every time the ball oh, went down there Absolutely it was uh, it was brought me back to the Treadray days except for Treadray would mark everything that came within his own but um, yeah, I mean, how exciting is it just to have a big key forward? It feels like it's been—and no offence to Jay shields or Justin Westhoff—but um, and I love that moment in the in the when they were, were kicking to the northern end. So it must have been the last quarter when uh, Webster decided to try and bump Dixon and just sort of hit a brick wall <laughs> and then ricocheted back off to the ground.
0: <laughs> Has there been a more anticipated debut for Port Adelaide?
1: I don't think so. Oh, not that I can remember anyway.
0: The only one I can no, think is a... maybe Choppy Pickett, but slightly different, I guess. But And maybe Gavin Wanganeen when he came back, but again, slightly different. But I can't mm. think of it. To, like, he was just all anyone was talking about pre-game. It was just all Charlie Dixon. I can't think of mm. a player that's had that at Port Adelaide that's come across from, from a different club. Um, he's already like the biggest cult hero we've ever had, just about.
1: And he'll be better the for the name. To the name
0: probably has a lot to do with that.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, the puns just keep on coming every week. It's awesome. Yes, yes,
0: they do. <laughs> uh, what about you, Bomber? What was your love?
2: Uh, I've got, I've got one and, a, and an extra bit. The, the first one is that Guernsey. Um, I really love that Guernsey. I thought, uh, all along, I thought that should have been our main Guernsey from the get-go, um, it just looked, it looked slick, it looked like, a, looked like a football Guernsey, it didn't look like some weird hybrid, um, and I just thought they looked uh, they looked shit hot in it. Yeah, um, that's
0: my, that's my love thought, as well. That's my love as well, yeah. I might as well talk about that too. Um, uh, <laughs> love the numbers, love the strip, it's still a great Guernsey, even after all this time. I wore my 97 original with pride, and yeah, it was great to break it out again.
1: So why'd we lose that Guernsey?
2: Wasn't that our
0: uh, alternate strip when we in? And the SBS one was the main? No, no. It was, yeah, the SBS one was the main. The Lightning three-panel was um, was the ANSET Cup. And this one was the Away Guernsey. And then we got rid of this one in 2000... started 2003. We canned this one we wore yesterday. And the Lightning Bolt became our Away Guernsey, the three-panel. And then the next year we got rid of that one and created that spilt milk, bloody lightning bolt, <laughs> abomination, whatever you want to call it. Um, and that came in as our away Guernsey for a few years. So, yeah, I don't know. It was a bit disappointing. I really liked this one. I thought it was probably our best of the three originals. Um, yeah, mm. it was great to see it again.
1: Yeah, good game Yeah, I thought I it was it. great.
2: So what was your... I opinion? had a little bit, a little bit of a, an extra bit of love as Hamish as the Enforcer. Um, yeah. I love watching him intimidate opposition players. He's uh, he he's the like look. He's a good looking guy. He doesn't look like the kind of guy that would be the hard nut, but um, but he is able to pull it off. And my boys, they they can't get enough of him. They're always saying, "Where's Hamish? Where's Hamish?" Um, I just I just love the way he plays. Um, he's he's hard at it. He's hard at the ball, and he's hard at the man, and he doesn't take a
0: step back.
1: It's really good to see. Yeah. No, it's it's p- I guess right. allowed to have two loves, Maka.
0: Well, no, I'll just edit one out. That's fine. Yeah.
1: Um, it's a bit greedy of <laughs> me. Uh, Bomber, I couldn't I? decide. I couldn't <laughs> decide.
0: <laughs> That's it. Well, Rick, what about your hate?
1: My hate isn't as uh, shocking for you, so you're right with the mute button. Um, I guess I'm a bit frustrated with our our lack of foresight maybe with trading. I don't know if our hands were tied um, but you know, there was the risk of Ryder not being there and uh, I'm really worried that if Lobie's form, uh, continues, even on the replay, it didn't look great. Um, we could be up shit Creek without a paddle, um, because obviously Dougal Howard's not, uh, mature enough to, to really handle the full-time ruck duties. And, uh, yeah, I just wish we, uh, were a little bit more creative in that regard in the, in the off season.
2: I guess. Did we, we? What was the timing on the um, the Ryder Monfries thing? Did we know that that was going to be challenged at the time we were in trading period?
0: I think. Yeah, I think absolutely. We knew that this was going to be challenged at the time, and we just couldn't find someone to to fulfil the uh, that sort of backup role. And I guess I don't mm. know. Maybe they had the faith in someone like Howard um, and guys like Trengove doing the job.
1: Well. Going forward, is this really something we have to consider that maybe uh, Trengove becomes our more permanent ruck with support from from Howard? Because I don't know how sustainable uh, keeping Lobby in the in the side with this sort of form is going to be. Yeah. Or am I oh, being he, overly was dramatic? Was he really
2: that bad? I, I didn't think he was that bad. He wasn't. Uh, I, some, I think he was...
0: wasn't at his worst, but he was maybe. Like, I would have called his game poor. It was below average to poor. It wasn't an absolute well, disaster, but it w- it wasn't all that good either.
1: Look at the calibre of the Ruckman that he was up against.
0: Well, look, Hickey's a good Ruckman. He just needs a decent run at it. Like He's a very talented player. Um, and he's yeah. played a lot of really good games so far in his short career. So, I don't know.
1: Yeah, but how would how would an Aaron Sanderlands or a Todd Goldstein or a Sam Jacobs... Um, you know, how would they handle a player like that? They would, you know, they'd murder him. And uh, I'm yeah, really Todd, worried. Todd Goldstein's the
0: best ruckman in the league. So he, he murders everyone. That's the, that's the difference. I don't know. I mean, I'm yeah. not going to put it all on Lobie. Like, where was Boke yesterday? Wines had one clearance to, you know, halfway through the third quarter. That's nowhere near good enough for someone who's our best sort of clearance player. Um, and there were a few others that really didn't do much um, at the drop of the bowl. So, you know, I'm not going to put it all on Lobie's head. You know, I thought the whole midfield was pretty poor yesterday as a, as a group. Um, mm. well, but Janus, we'll, well, Janus did a, a good post well.
2: on the... He did a blow-by-blow blow, uh, account of the first quarter, I think, um, or the first few goals and how they came, their uh, clearances. Um, and it really pointed out that it really didn't have a lot to do with what Lobi was doing. Um, it was all it was all our midfield that weren't weren't getting the clearances or fumbling.
0: Anyway, Bomber, what was your uh, hate for this week?
2: Uh, look, this deliberate out of bounds thing is doing my head in. Um <laughs> oh, tough enough princess. It's, <laughs> oh, it's like I've for the first time in a long time I've watched several games over the course of the weekend. Normally I'll watch maybe one or two at the most. Um, but I had a lot of times I sat down watched quite a few and it's the, the ruling is so inconsistent I can't tell what they're actually what the actual rule is um, and I understand what they why they're doing it but I don't think they've got it the interpretations downright. Um, I think the uh, on Friday uh, Thursday night's game with Carlton Richmond you had a situation where there was a Richmond player. Effectively shepherding the ball over the line instead of taking possession, yeah. and when you see things like that, you go, "Okay, that's that's not good. That that shouldn't be happening. They need to stop that." Um, but if if there's a rule that says if it, they get a free possession for it, they're going to take that uh, every single time. So hopefully they iron out the bugs throughout the year. But it's it doesn't make any sense to me how it's being
1: interpreted at the moment.
0: Well, that's I thought exactly our game right. was
1: umpired pretty well.
0: Yeah, I think ours was umpired pretty decently. I mean, there was the Ebert one, which was a little bit confusing, but um, outside of that, I thought the out on the fulls was pretty decent for our game. But I reckon
1: the, the AFL umpiring department or the rules committee should pretty easily just go, look, if the opposition player can make... It's the same as their interpretation with the ball going over the line. The opposition player has a potential opportunity to take the ball, uh, but they're not, they're not willing to take you know, take possession of the ball to try and yeah. get the free quick. Just make it a throw-in. And yeah. don't reward them for not, you know, t- trying to take possession. Because uh, I think it happened with the St Kilda player in our game when we were kicking to the southern end. Um, yeah. Might have been, so either the first or third quarter. They tried to do the same thing. Um, yeah, and it's, it, that's not a good rule. You know, so, but that's pretty easy. All right? Throw it in instead of giving them a free and they'll stop doing it.
0: Did the deliberate rule need to be changed? Like, why did they have to change
1: it? Well, I think they just changed the interpretation just to make it more harsher. That's all. So, you know, I guess they just want more continuous play. And, you know, the, the few games that I saw, I, the product of the round one mm. was actually quite entertaining. I'll give it that. It does seem to have worked. I oh, yeah.
0: de- definitely think the, uh, the change in interchange caps um, has worked a treat. There was a, there was a lot of uh, high-scoring mm. games this round.
1: Anyway, my what a, lot of, what a win! What a whinge fest is going on I here! Know. Come on, boys! This is
0: ridiculous. Well, we got one more whinge. I'm going to just all I have to say is three words: Joe the Goose. That's all I've got to say. We, <laughs> we took a risk playing a high press, and for three quarters it didn't really work. You know, nine goals for players running into an open goal yesterday, and that's got to be some sort of a record. Never seen anything like it before. I guess we'll talk about that uh, a bit more in detail um, a little bit later. But I think the, the, uh, the midfield needs to take uh, pretty much full responsibility for what occurred yesterday. I didn't think they were at all good enough.
1: Is there, is there a, uh, an issue here that we haven't been able to replace um, Richardson since he's left? Because our midfield structures have really struggled since his departure.
0: Well, they were okay with Walsh. I guess um, it just comes down to Voss, who was, uh, I guess, the whipping boy last year. Um, has our midfield improved? Is it? I don't know. It's hard to really say.
1: We've got a good midfield. Mm.
0: Well, on paper, we've yeah. got a good midfield, but why? Like, is it Voss's fault that Wines has only one clearance in you know eighty minutes of football? Well, I don't really think it is. Well, he looked out the...
2: sorts yesterday. I thought he didn't quite look. How I've usually seen him on the field, and, and almost you, like it took him three quarters to get him get himself into the swing of
1: it. Do you know, it was, and I think Ken in the three quarter time interview mentioned it. They, I was sitting at the behind the Northern Goals Southern Goals, and so I saw the warm up just before the game, and a lot of them looked nervous. A lot of them were doing some deep breathing and like blowing and. Uh, I think, yeah, I think they were just really, really excited for round one, and uh, I think a lot of the players were nervous to perform for the for the crowd, and uh, yeah, I, I think that had something to do with it. But I guess going back to the the whole Voss thing and, and Ollie Wines, I guess it'll, if Ollie Wines is following the coach's instructions on how to play and where to stand, um, and those instructions aren't great. Uh, yeah. Well, what does he do? Yeah, yeah. does he keep following the Coach's instructions, or does he go off and do his own thing? He he follows the coach's instructions. So, uh, I guess I don't don't really know. I mean, we had that good run on at the end of last year once we dropped Lobie and just played Ryder, full time ruck. So, you know, we weren't really complaining about Voss then either. But I just don't feel like, yeah, Walsh, Richardson, since those guys, we just haven't had the same uh, midfield cohesion, in my opinion.
0: No, it's definitely a fair call to mate um, what I'm going to do now uh, this is a new segment that we're going to add this year, it's called what the hell the what the hell moment yeah. Something that happened what on the, the weekend. hell exactly, that made you go what the hell doesn't have to be port related, <laughs> just something weird and wonderful across around a footy uh, Rick, what's yours mate
1: I reckon we should go Bombers first, Bombers, bombers is first. the best one
0: alright, <laughs> Yeah. you don't want to say the best will last then
1: no, no, let's get his in early and then it's just all yeah, downhill yeah, from there.
2: Get in there. <laughs> oh, well, look, my what the f- moment was dangerous. Oh, shit, what are you doing? <laughs> it's what the hell. What the hell? <laughs> oh, what the hell, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, censorship board. Anyway, the, I had this weird schadenfreude sense because I wanted him to kick on and, and have a good game. But when he shanked it, though, he had those two kicks on goal and shanked them. Uh, it was just, it was hilarious. So I was—I didn't know whether to feel excited, elated. Was I upset that he was doing well? Um, I thought it was a good game to watch, and he—he he certainly fucking took charge. Um, it was great to see him get his get his uh, possessions tally record um, for his first game with Geelong. Um, and I did—I did hear rightly he made some sort of uh, slight dig at the Crows in his post-match presser. As posted on the board, yeah. Oh, just something about being at a club with a long history.
0: Yeah, he was asked the question by one of the commentators, oh, what's it like uh, at your new home? And he said, oh, you know, it's great. I love to surf. I'm, you know, it's a great surfing area. And, you know, it's great to go to a club with uh, with such a rich history and tradition and da-da-da-da-da. And with a bit of a smirk on his face. Uh, i not sure if it was a crack at his, uh, at his old home, but uh, we'll certainly take it. I <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I took it that way. Um, look, so no doubt he's a champion. He's a, like he's a really good player, and hopefully he can get his um, his disposal a bit more polished because I think he's he's in the hot seat this year to be a
1: um, uh, one of the favourites for the Brownlow. Oh no doubt. Well, they no said doubt. at half half time when I was driving home, they in the, they were saying on the radio that he was a hundred percent efficiency. Yeah, half, half time. Half time. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, he definitely had a good game. Probably one of his best games of his career so far, which uh, is pretty incredible in uh, in that sort of game against Hawthorne with a, a huge crowd and in, in his first game in Geelong Colours. So that was, uh, that was good for him. And just one little comment that you made there, Bomber, that um, you didn't know whether you wanted him to do well, etc., etc. I hope he absolutely burns at Geelong. I hope he bloody wins the Brownlow the next three years. I reckon that would be wonderful. It's the same deal with Tippett. A lot of... Um, Poor supporters, I hear, you know, they boo Tippett and they hate him. It's like, why would you hate Tippett? Like, he absolutely (laughs) burned the crows to the ground. Like, that was just just about the best thing any footballer in this state's ever done. We should be bloody (laughs) applauding him every time he comes across here.
1: (laughs) Good work. We should should have the
0: Kurt Tippett medal.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, my WTF moment was um, first quarter bloody uh, Matthew Broadbent trying to cut it back into the centre, he ricochets into the St Kilda player, bounces back straight to one of their forwards who runs into the open goal, and I was just like, WTF, what the hell, man? That was just giving me the shits. And I'll segue straight onto yours, because it's similar. Yeah,
0: it is very similar. Mine is a, is a little bit of an addition to my hate um the moment in the third quarter, where killed a kick, three goals in three minutes, which were basically identical. The exact same thing happened each time. We lost the ball in the midfield and saw the ball sail over our heads to two or three Saints uh, running free towards goal. After the third goal, I yelled out something a little bit stronger than what the hell is going on. Um, and I figured, well, if I've said that, that's got to be my what the hell moment for the round. So... <laughs> Well, look, let's move on and talk about our review. Um, it was a fantastic turnout. Nearly 44,000 people uh, who went home pretty happy after Port kicked uh, nine consecutive goals through the third and final quarters to record a hard-fought 33-point victory, 20 goals 13 to 15 goals 10. It wasn't all smooth sailing. Uh, Port actually trailed at the first three breaks. Uh, Robbie Gray kicked four, Dixon Ebert and Wingard kicked three each, and uh, Justin Westhoff kicked two for the winners. Uh, so I guess the first thing to talk about is how was your game day experience, guys? Did you manage to get into the village at all? Oh,
2: I missed the village this year. So um, I had my two boys with me, young boys. Um, so we, uh, we made it to the tail end of the march, or the, the group that were walking across the bridge, um, made our way across Hindley Street and got in. It was quite exciting. The kids were all hyped up. Uh, got to our seats. We were early, probably for the first time since Adelaide Oval, um, and settled in. And I couldn't have been more frustrated watching a game of football <laughs> for, uh, for the first three quarters. It was—I uh, didn't know what was going on. I couldn't. It looked like we were playing okay, but then it just every now and then we had a little, little, uh, little mistake. Sort of gave them a gave them a showing. Um, and the crowd didn't seem when I first sat down. It didn't seem to be that big from where where I was looking out. Um, it didn't look like it was a forty three thousand crowd. So I was surprised when I saw that number came up.
0: Yeah, it mm. just sort of progressively grew over the course of the first quarter, and you know people just kept coming in and coming in. And No, I, I did end up in the village uh, pre game, and I tell you what, it was absolutely jam packed. I got there about twenty past one. Uh, and it was packed to the rafters. There was people hanging off the ceiling. Just about. Um, it was great to see they've link- lengthened uh, the bar, so there's more people sort of serving and more people getting drinks uh, a bit quicker than what was happening last year. Um, I tell you what, it was great. Great atmosphere in there. Uh, they had some live music going instead of the DJ, uh, which was uh, good, but also disappointing. I missed some of those sort of eighties remixes. Um, you know, hopefully they come back sometime in the future. <laughs> Uh, and then it ended up in the uh, in the Audi Club where I drank uh, Chablis and uh, ate some prawn sandwiches. So it was great. Oh,
1: hard life, mate. Hard life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what about you, Rick?
1: Well, I yeah, uh, I was uh, I was running about an hour late thanks to my wife. So uh, uh, we missed the game. We had to skip the game day village, but uh, went post match. But uh, and just ran straight to the locker room to. Uh, uh, to try and load up on the the com- complimentary drinks that are with the package. so uh, so we started we started with the amber quite early and I thought I'd do something random and say good day to a couple of guys that were just sitting there by themselves and and uh, so I introduced myself and uh, said hey, what are you guys doing here and uh, have you been here before? And yeah, it goes back to that golden gay time thing, doesn't it? And <laughs> um, and basically uh, I had this guy start telling me about, you know how he contributes on the big footy board and and the whole lot, and I, so I let him go for about thirty seconds, telling me about big footy and contributing and all this sort of stuff, and and then I went, ah, I know you guys, and it ended up being Moses and Sean, so I had a had a good chat to them, so uh, so that was really good, and uh, but yeah, it was actually you know I've been in the locker room a few times now, and uh, it was interesting because I was actually more interested to be. Outside of the locker room and just sitting at the ground and sort of soaking in the atmosphere, than just wanting to be inside the locker room and looking in the change room. So mm. I think I think that's a real compliment to the club that um, you know I'm finding that the experience outside of that attraction is more. Um, I was I was really pumped up to see this two thirty um, uh, big. Pro- I don't know, I was going to say propaganda. That's probably not the word. Performance, but. Uh, I think you and I missed it, Macker, because uh, I like the I like the Aboriginal tribute, but I was sort of expecting more. I thought there was going to be some big uh, song. I don't well, I don't I have no idea. I'm assuming that was. I, I don't okay. think it's great. I I love the fact yeah you know, they're recognising the Aboriginal history and that's great for great for me. Happy to look at that, but I was sort of expecting a bit more if that was supposed to be it. All Ken, even Ken's um, address. I think it's great to yeah. let us I inside. I thought that was what the. Uh, uh,
0: that's what the big thing was, that we got to see Ken's address.
2: Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was um, it was good that it was understated. Like, I think when they when they try and outdo themselves, that's when you sort of run into trouble and you end up with Koshi on the ground with the Farris brothers. Um, I think what they did was very... It was professionally done. It was respectful in the, in the case of the Indigenous Tribute. Um, the, uh, the inner sanctum thing with Ken's address was, was really good to, good to see. And it was like, it just, it, it was, the timing was really good as well. Like it, it just mm. built on that each, each stage, it built on the next, uh, the thing that preceded it. And it and it built up to that crescendo of the players coming on. And then the never tear us apart. And I thought it was done really well.
1: So yeah. with the never tear us apart, um, you know that I've been bullish on, you know, us not needing the words and or the singing and the and the crowd just singing it and that being the feature. Uh, do you think they cut out the words a lot earlier this year just to emphasise the crowd singing compared to previous years? Because I found it really noticeable um, yesterday.
0: Yeah, they definitely turned the sound sort of at the core. Yeah, at the chorus they turned the sound down. They did that a couple of times last year as well. I think. I think. All that needs to happen now is the um, the opening sort of bass beats, that do 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 do. All they have to do is that, yeah, and then shut the sound off and let the crowd take over. That's what needs to happen.
1: Yeah, where I sit to that. Yeah, sorry, Nick.
2: Where I sit, we're under uh, we're under the first tier on the uh, in the eastern stand, and so we're packed full of people, and the only thing you can hear apart from that first bass line, is then the people singing. You can't hear anything over the um, over the audio. Mm. Uh, it's just the sound of the crowd, which is, I mean, that's what everyone gets, that's what gets everyone hyped up. It's yeah. not the recording. No, it's no, the no. sound of the crowd. Yeah.
1: yeah. So that's my ultimate dream, that the crowd's just singing it and we don't really have anything, you know, it's that whole uh, walk on with the Liverpool fans, you know it's spine tingling because they don't need that, and it'd be great if we can get to that to that stage as well. And I think we will eventually. And I think yeah. I think the club's smart though, just not cutting it out altogether and going, okay, you guys do it, you know, just slowly phasing it out, and uh, yeah. But look, I thought yeah, the whole game day experience for me was great. It Was you know it's all again fantastic in the locker room. Um, they did change it though. They stopped the. The, the included drinks at uh, just at the end of half time and okay. uh so and then it goes to a paying bar so i didn't know that but um i mean tip for new players here um you can still get a transaction of four drinks so um just before shut off bar time you just order four drinks and that takes you through <laughs> to the end of the game anyway so uh, i don't see really why you uh, why they need to shut the bar off because you can just order four drinks and take that and, and that's yeah, your yeah, alcoholic way of uh, getting free drinks anyway.
0: That's it. Well, let's talk about the game and I guess we should probably talk about the first three quarters uh, to start with because they were some of the most frustrating uh, quarters of football I've seen uh, for a number of years for Port Adelaide. Um, Bomber, I guess I'll throw to you, what happened out there? Ha!
2: <laughs> I was asking myself that almost every five minutes. What the hell's going on here? Um, It was weird because when we when we went into attack, we looked we looked sharp, we looked you know we looked good. There was maybe a little bit of that um, over over handballing, which sort of got us tight in the pockets rather than just going straight for goal. but then, when on the rebound, when they when they got the ball, they looked pretty slick as well. And I couldn't quite work out if it was, you know, all us being bad and or them being good, or, or what the, the ratio was. Um, to St Kilda's credit, I think they had a good strategy, and it was pretty much let's let's go for it. And they pretty much burnt all their tickets in the first half, mm. uh, really going for it and trying to get a lead and us. And they came very close to, to pulling it off. I mean, there was that point where we're in the last quarter where we we kicked. I think was it six or seven points in a row, and you just thought, hold on, all they have to do is kick one or two goals, and they've got this. Um, it was it was a bit of a um, right on the edge of your seat moment. But what the yeah, hell went I, on? I have to I, say,
0: I'm just going to cut you off there. I have to say, the first. 12 minutes, I think, of that last quarter felt so similar to the West Coast game last year, where we were just sort of having mm. hot shots at goal. And, and you just, I was I was literally just waiting for the moment where they just ran it down the other end, kicked a goal, and that was going to be, you know, the heartbreaker sort of thing. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I was half expecting it. Mm.
1: Such a pessimistic group, you two. <laughs> I was never in doubt. By then, we were chop full of confidence. We are always going to run away with it, you could tell. And I, I think it we might as well bring it up right now while we're talking about it. I mean, what a credit to uh, the players and Darren Burgess to be you know one player down on the rotations for the bulk of the game and to still run over the top of St Kilda in that manner, I think is a, mm. uh, a big tick for the fitness staff and the fitness of the players and the players, mm. what they've done over the preseason to get themselves that fit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, for me, it was... A number of things. I didn't think we'd played all that badly in the first three quarters. Um, it was a pretty 50-50 contest. It was just the frustrating mistakes, the, the fumbles and the uh, the press, which was all out of sorts. Um, you know, St. Kilda's midfield dominance, You know, they were really dominant, um, especially at the stoppages. You know, Armitage just did what he wanted. Stephen was getting heaps of it. I think Montagna had something like 13 touches in the first quarter. Um, and St. Kilda's defensive transition, I mean, they just killed us um, coming out of uh, our forward line. And look, this press is fine in theory. Um, and I said this on the balls today, but yeah, you know, it really does rely on the midfield being competitive and defending really, really hard. And when the midfield um, are as limp as what they were uh, yesterday at the stoppages and allowing them to run the ball from our forward line to theirs with minimal pressure, then the press just isn't going to work. Um, mm. we got, the whole point is to pressure them into an unforced error. So we turn the ball over further up the ground and have our opponents out of position, um, and do basically what they did to us. Uh, when it doesn't work, we saw what happened yesterday, and it's it was almost like we were watching an offside trap in soccer. Um, at stages there, we often had our four defenders in a line across the ground. Um, it, it's quite pretty far up the ground as well. You know, sort of at the defensive side of the square, and you know they did keep that position until the ball sort of came in over the back and. You know, I guess it's a complete change to the way we've defended over the last few years and you know, maybe we are gonna to have to put up with um uh with giving up some of these sorts of goals um, at stages this year, as Ken said in his presser.
1: Yeah, it's just not the uh, the volume or the amount that you would be happy with though. I mean it no, was way out way too many. That's
0: uh, that's a bit ridiculous, but mm. as I And said, I think I think you hit the
1: nail on the head, the midfield pressure.
0: Yeah. I was just about to say, what do you think the cause was? Was it the defenders being out of position, or do you think it was the lack of midfield pressure which really sort of put them under pressure?
1: Well, funny, I had the mid—I had the defenders as a, most of the best on-ground players. I, same. I thought Jasper yeah. was... I had Jasper. I thought he was fantastic, outside of Robbie Gray, who was head and shoulders the best player on the ground, as far as I'm concerned. But um, Jasper was right up there. Matthew Broadbent, great game. Uh, I thought Jacko was great at centre half back, and and Homsch did another great game as well. Um, yeah, I, I I could have quite easily given them two, three, four, and five. Uh, yeah. I thought they were rock solid, and uh, yeah, it was just like you said. I think we were with that zone. The midfield wasn't applying that first kick pressure um, to the St Kilda player, which was giving them time and space to get that ball inside once they do that first kick into our zonal press allowing them to run, turn, carry the ball, which then in turn means the ball can get over the top. Um, and by then, uh, you know, their forwards are running behind our defensive line and running into an open goal. So yeah. I think you hit the uh, the nail mm-hmm. on the head there, mate. We, Our midfield in that defensive structure wasn't set up correctly or they weren't following instructions correctly or they just weren't working hard enough, which didn't seem like the case because I thought the tackling pressure that, Um, the whole team brought throughout the whole game was fantastic. Mm. And and you Mm. guys mentioned Jake Need on the board um, as one example, Chad Wingard, another one. But I thought the whole team was tackling well. Mm. Yeah, maybe they just didn't know completely where they they were supposed to be in the the zonal play.
0: I thought we were tackling really well too, but I think it also means that St Kilda had more of the ball for the first sort of three quarters, I guess. But there was one particular moment which I found sort of, a little bit bizarre was... I think it was at the start of the last quarter we had the ball in our forward line and um, I think St Kilda caused a turnover and our four players sort of, as I said before, sort of set up at the back end of the de, of the uh, centre square. And St Kilda had five players in a... I guess you'd call it an offside position. One probably about 40 metres on his own in the goal square and three or four other players behind our defenders. And all it would have taken was two... Sort of clean disposals, and they would have kicked um, a very, very easy goal. Um, I don't know, I mean, I guess it's an, an interesting thing and something we're going to have to put up with this year. And, you know, when it works, I think it's going to work incredibly well. But it's, as we've said, it's going to depend a lot on the midfield. The other thing that I found really frustrating was our sort of kick and hope game style, um, which we saw against Richmond and a little bit maybe against Melbourne as well, where we just sort of banged the ball on the boot. Um, and just sort of hope for the best and try to get it almost sort of NFL style, you know, just try and kick it as high and long mm. as possible, and and have our sort of players just you know charge at the uh, at the defenders. And I don't think that really worked all that well either for the first three quarters. Um, what did you think, Bomber?
2: Yeah, I, <clears throat> there seemed to be a lot of um, high balls in that game yesterday. Um, just aries right up. And then there's like a everyone on the ground has time to get to where the ball's falling, um, and I found that that to me is frustrating because no one's going to take a clean mark in that. You know, you're going to, you're going to have to need something special from a, a wing guard or a shorts to pull down something there. So it always ends up on the ground and a scrabble, <clears throat> and then it's pot luck of uh, you know someone getting something out the back and as you said, off to those defenders that are behind our uh, forwards who are behind our defenders. Um what was I going to say you, you got me thinking about something and I've just lost it. Um <laughs> That's all right. Move on to Rick. What have you got to say Rick?
1: I oh, know what have I got to say? <laughs> um I usually got something to say. Uh yeah, I guess is maybe this is the modern where the game's transitioning oh, again. Maybe I remember. maybe you you got you remember what you got?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I was just no, going to say go that about it. the this um the what you call the Joe the goose goals and listening to hinkley after and even um bassett's pre-game uh sort of uh presser where he was sort of expecting they were, they were anticipating that this was going to be the case and I think that that's just what, how they're going to that how they see the game being played now that it's mm. it's the the AFL wants high scoring we'll give them high scoring and this is this is how we're actually going to Going to deliver it, but I think that that uh, it's just the sheer amounts that was happening against St Kilda, who's let's face it, they're not they're not really in contention. Um, if we were playing someone like a Hawthorne or even someone like a Geelong, um, we would we would have got slaughtered. I think
1: yesterday. I don't know. Oh, look, we, are, we even, our game style Crows, seems to
0: even the Crows. If we play the Crows next week and do that, I mean, yeah. Josh Jenkins is going to kick twenty five goals.
1: Yeah, but the. You know what, well, It was, a, was it really, um, was our zone as bad as what we're making it out to be? Or was our skill error, our execution, uh, attributing to quite a few of those goals? And I think the answer is yes. I think, you know, there was, uh, you know, Jasper did a bad kick. Ebert did a bad kick. Broadbent, Broadbent had a shocker as well. And I can't remember who else did it. Um, but, you know, there was probably five or six goals that would not have been goals if, our players dispose of the ball, and they weren't under-pressure disposals either, no. um, hit no, their right. targets, right? So, you know, it, a lot of it, maybe it's just still the pre-season cobwebs, um, but, you know, our game plan stacks up against Hawthorne. We do all right against Hawthorne. Geelong, yeah, or Sydney, that's a different story, uh, as REH H reminded me this week on the forums. But, um, yeah, it's... Uh, well, I, I guess it's a bit of the old Malcolm Blight philosophy isn't it let's not worry about the defense as much it's about who can kick uh the most goals the only yeah. problem is it didn't didn't work well for Blighty there for a while in the finals at Geelong anyway but um well it's exciting and it'll be interesting to see how the season pans out and I think it, the Crows game as Mackerel always says is a 50-50 game and we don't want to get into the preview component of it but uh, I think it's a it's a big uh, line in the sand game for us as a as a footy team or a club because if we we get over the line in that one and improve our performance just that little bit more, I think that will give us that launching pad for the for the next eight games. But um, yeah, look, I'd just be hoping we tidy up on the skill errors and credit to St Kilda, they did apply pressure for you know still a young side, um, and they, and that's the challenge of round one, isn't it? You. you you're looking at the previous year and thinking, Oh, those those teams were average, so we should smash them, but you still don't know what sort of performance is gonna come out from those teams in round yeah. one.
0: Absolutely. So what changed in the last quarter? Was it the midfield? Was it the defence? Was it the press? Was it the fitness? Was it Marbo? Was it the vibe? What was it?
1: <laughs> yeah. It were all of the above. Yeah. Yeah, there was fitness. a little bit of everything.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think for me. I think the uh, the main change in the last sort of 35 minutes was the midfield being a bit more competitive. I, th- I think we saw Wines get um, seven yeah. uh, clearances in the last sort of 35 minutes of gameplay. Hartlett really came into it. Sammy Gray came into it. Robbie Gray was fantastic. Uh, Chad Wingard had a great last quarter as well. Uh, you know, a lot of players um, you know started winning that hard ball and we really managed to shut out sort of Armitage and Stephen from from getting those sort of clearances. Um, I think at, at one point, I think St Kilda led the clearances by as much as 22 or 23. Um, and we were able to work that down to uh, to about 16 at the end of the game. So yeah, you know, we certainly had a, a good last quarter in that regard.
1: Yeah, you're right. And all, all the key midfielders um, really <laughs> stood up and were accounted for. They were all noticeable in that last quarter. So uh, I'd say fitness came into it a little bit. Uh, maybe they picked up their... Their uh, output. I think Hinckley gave them a spray at three quarter time. That's what I someone posted up that he gave them an almighty rocket. So, um, but and I'd say St Kilda looked like they were tiring out because they just could not get it out of our um, forward fifteen. We just had it locked in there, which yeah. is which is a good sign.
2: The good thing about that as well is I noticed at the end of the game we still sort of looked reasonably fresh. Like we didn't look like we were knackered, um, even though we'd just run over the top of another team. Um, mm-hmm. And they were there was a couple of them stretching their calves. You can see they were cramping up. Um, but I didn't see any of our guys at that level. Um, maybe shorts once. Mm.
0: I didn't see anybody cramp up, but there was a few players that were sort of looked like they were running in mud. I mean, hardly in particular. I think it was uh, for Rewalt's mark and goal at the end there. Um he was chasing, but just couldn't raise a gallop at all. He was absolutely buggered. But um, I guess it goes to show just how good our fitness is because that last quarter was mm. uh, something pretty special.
1: For so what about our um, delivery uh, to Dicker? I know I was thinking it. Finbar posted it <laughs> on the forums. We did lob it uh, a lot on top of his head instead yeah. of getting him um, leading to the ball. I think if we can improve our... Uh, delivery to Dixon uh, and get him leading instead of just looking for that arm wrestle uh, all the time. I think that's going to help him, and uh, I think we'll get he'll get a lot more goals on the board as well.
0: I think it's horses for courses, St Kilda don't have many. Uh, I think I mentioned this in the preview. I don't think St Kilda have many tall defenders. I think he he spent the most time on Fisher, who's only about one ninety two, I think. Um, so he had a, a quite a significant height advantage over all the St Kilda defence. Uh, so maybe it was a bit bit of a strategy and hoping that he would take uh, you know three or four of those grabs. And look, might as well talk about Dixon now. For the first three quarters he was a bit of a letdown. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, as I said on the on the review, you know, he was uh I think the biggest letdown. He was a big since tease. Since, yeah, exactly. He was the biggest <laughs> letdown since finding out that tubes had been discontinued again. I mean that was disappointing, but <laughs> what <laughs> he was, Really?
1: Uh, yeah. Oh no, my wife's gonna be devastated with that.
0: <laughs> Anyway, um, but yeah, you know, he, he got his hands to a good five or six balls that he should have marked, but he just dropped them, or they just yeah. slipped out of his I fingers, t- or he was sort of mm. hacked from behind, should have but got um, a good kick on a couple of occasions. And on a different day, he would have taken four or five of those marks and ended up with six or seven goals.
1: The umpires are very lenient, though, Macca. They let a lot of, at the northern end, obviously you can see a bit, mm. they let a lot of jumping, jumper holding and arm holding go, which... Mm. Um, in previous years, uh, they would uh, ping him. So unfortunately for Dicko, he might be getting the uh, the Warren tread rate treatment going forward. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I don't think it was a strategy issue in regards to kicking to Dixon. I think it was just his performance on the day, maybe a little bit of nerves, maybe he was a bit over-pumped up after Timmy Jennifer's, um awesome speech in the rooms before the game. Um, but he just didn't deliver in those first three quarters, but he certainly delivered in the last, that's for sure. Mm. Yeah, that
2: goal was fantastic. That, um, that that From that right on the line, yeah, yeah, that was a monster kick.
1: Yeah, he'll, he'll be a great player. Three goals, three from first game. I think he admitted to nerves as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I guess I was a little bit disappointed he went up one-handed a few times. Um you know, that's probably from a key forwards perspective, that's probably a little bit lazy. Um, but uh, but overall, uh, I was very happy. He was trying to
2: fend off. Like, that's the, that seemed to be the, his only
1: option because
2: he's got yes. this guy uh, bear-hugging him. Um, mm. That mark he pulled off
1: was pretty good. Yeah, it was. Oh. Great slips catch, wasn't it? Great.
0: Great. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Look, so I, as I, mean, I said on
0: the boards, so I thought he had a bit of a nightmare. He still had six scoring shots. He had another three score involvements. I think he had this, the third highest score involvements for a Port Adelaide player. Um, you know, if that's going to be his floor, you know, what's his ceiling going to be? It's going to be incredible.
1: Mm. Mm. Well, and I think the Schultz, Dixon Westhoff forward line was really exciting. I thought they were all key contributors yeah. throughout the game. Yep. And uh, it's a, a nightmare of a uh, of a forward line for us.
0: Shorty was great. Well, far yeah, position. I, I thought he played a real sort of underrated role. Yeah, you know, he he played his sort of roaming role that he he's sort of liked to do over the past few years. But he has he didn't have that pressure of having to sort of bolt back to the forward line as quick as possible to to challenge for a mark. Um, yeah, and he played really well. Only the one goal, but um, you know, there's going to be games where he's going to kick three or four by playing the same way.
1: It's a, it's almost like Shields, who? Mm. <laughs> which is a bit of a shame for him being a star forward for us for so long now. But uh, it's probably good for him as well. You know, take a bit of pressure off. He can roam around. I think someone threw up today. He had the most stats he's had since he started with us, or. Uh, in the last five years or something, 17 possessions and a couple of goals. So, and he looked quite mobile, took a nice specky. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, and I thought Westoff was fantastic as well. I thought he played a great, versatile game. Um, yeah. you know, he's really come on. You know, He's been very frustrating over the years as a, a forward and a player for us. And, but he's uh, really starting to mature and, uh, and be that great player that we were hoping that he would be. Yeah.
0: So I guess the other player I want to talk about is uh, Travis Boak. Uh, He certainly wasn't at his best yesterday. I thought it was one of the worst games I've seen him play for quite some time. Uh, There's talk that he's under a little bit of an injury cloud, whether he took that into the game or or suffered a bit of a knock early on. I think his groin was a bit of a problem. Um, He had absolutely no depth to his kicking at all. Uh, But he still managed 17 touches and and kicked the first goal of the game, got involved. Um, What do we think? Is he playing injured?
2: I reckon he has to be. Um, it's, it's, it's unlike a him slow to starter. have...
0: He's a slow starter to yeah. It just, he
2: didn't look, <clears throat> he didn't look right. He looked um, he looked sluggish, and, and a couple of times I saw him sort of pull up um, as he was running to a contest. Um, it just didn't, you know how Travis, you normally see him, he's just pull at the gate, runs in, gets the ball and gets out. Yeah. I didn't see any of that yesterday. Um, my, in my mind, it has got to be some kind of some kind of injury or something that's sort of niggling.
1: Yeah, uh, I thought maybe it was his shoulder <laughs> because his shoulder was strapped. And when watching the replay, he he wasn't really that ferocious with his tackling. Um, so I was just sort of thinking, well, maybe maybe his shoulder is sore, and so he didn't want to commit uh, with the tackling component of the game and. And pop it out or injure it or whatever. Uh, and therefore, uh, yeah, but who knows? It's a bit of a mystery. Hmm.
0: All right, top five. Bomber, who were your best five players?
2: Best five players? Uh, Pittard, number one. I thought he's excellent. Um, I've, I've been a big fan of Pittard from Just day one.
1: Don't steal my <laughs> loving, Bomber. <laughs> hey, hey, come on. You bag hey. out him all, all the time. Me, I've never bagged him out. I can yeah. see. Yeah.
0: I've always what see Ken sees in him.
1: Um,
2: I think what, what's happening now is we're now entering the the payoff phase of that early career development, um, and sticking with him through his through his fluctuations. Um, oh, I just love his game. Like he's he's just attentive and focused on the ball and knows where he has to be. And I remember reading. Way back when we drafted him, that um, the, the biggest raps on him was that he's got a great head, football head. Like he, he understands the strategy behind football, and you can really see that by the way he positions himself and where he is. And uh, I love seeing him take take the game on, and, and he's got some size about him now, so he can, he you know, he's not um, he's not easily knocked off the ball, and that that bump on. Uh, uh, Rue the, on the boundary line where he just sort of knocked him over and nicked off with the ball, yeah. just beautiful. I think someone posted it up as a GIF earlier today. Mm. Um, the other others, I've got the Gray twins as equal second, third. I thought they were they were consistent throughout the day. Like I saw Sam Gray just bobbed up every, every now and then and just sort of had a nice clean possession and got it into the forward line. Um, Robbie Gray sensational like he just is. there's not much he can't do Um, and then there's I've had the Wingard and Westhoff uh, rounding out the top five Um, Wingard I mean what's there to say like he's (laughs) he's just a very special player Um, and uh, and Westhoff look I I I think he's one of our most maligned players and always has been that he um, he's always had that tag of being lazy or, or sort of you know just not really putting energy in, but I did notice that the i think it was three quarter time they flashed up a screen on the the videos of you know who's run the most ks and Westoff was at the top um he was you know he made he covers a lot of ground um throughout the game and he just seems to be he bobs up when we need him um and just goes about his job. And when you actually sit down and you watch and analyse his game, some of the things he does is, you know, freakish on the level of uh, of Wingard. Um, I reckon he's a great player, and I reckon he's uh, he's one of the anchors of our playing group that's got us to where
1: we are today. Good call. Very good. Yep. Rick. Completely different, my friend. Uh, I went Robbie Gray, number one. I thought over the four quarters, standout player, sort of uh, that second quarter got us back into it. Uh, When he went in the centre, you know, he was really our our major clearance winner. And you pointed it out, Mac, probably need to be in there a little bit more, uh, I think, with your review. Um, So I thought he he was head and shoulders, even though he didn't get the most possessions. Uh, I sort of, with my perception, I penalised um the individual midfielder performance because of the, the poor performance that how I thought of the midfield as a group. Um and that's why as I say if I go back to the beginning, that's why I had Matthew Broad uh, sorry, Jasper second and Matthew Broadbent third, uh, best on ground because, you know, I thought consistently over the four quarters, um, they represented yes, they they made a, a turnover error costing a goal, but everyone's going to make a mistake um, but over the over the whole game they were there so Robbie Gray was there the whole game Jasper was there Brody was there and then I and I thought Hompsch he made some fantastic spoils uh, running back with the flight just to try and cut off um, you know and the same with Jackson he was reading the play well uh, taking those good intercept marks and again great spoiling those two guys were very underrated so I've actually recognized the defensive group in the second third fourth and fifth best players.
0: You know what? I honestly thought we were going to have a ten-minute pitard monologue here. I'm absolutely staggered <laughs> that you didn't have him best on green.
1: Uh, well, I don't want to be biased, and and you know what? It's my my job's done, Macker. You know, two years ago, um, you know, everyone was beaten on poor old Jasper. Trade him. You know, he's a shambles. He's a disgrace. He's not fit for Port Adelaide. Uh, but I finally. Uh, uh there's a few of us Jasper lovers out there and we and as a group we've converted most of the port supporters into Jasper lovers now. So yeah. I think I think the my job is done. I okay. I can move on and I'll have to find the uh the next scapegoat uh to Wait, defend. When's our next meeting? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see.
0: <laughs> well, look, my top five has to be Pittard number one. Um look when he plays like that. I'm not going to beat around the bush. He is the best general general defender in the game when he plays like that. Uh, it is a bit of a big call, but I'm happy to back that up. Um, yeah, you know, I find a lot of bigger than Luke he's... Hodge. No, I think uh, well, I don't really classify Luke Hodge as a defender. Like he might play down back, uh, but he doesn't actually do a whole lot of defensive work. Uh, he's more that sort mm. of quarterback sort of style play. Whereas Pittard... Does the uh, the offensive stuff, but also defends like an absolute beast as well. And as you said, mm. um, Bomber, he's now built his body up. He is a <clears throat> he's an impressive physical specimen out there at the moment. Um, I, I see a lot of similarities between him and Easton Wood, who was uh, I think All Australian last year. And, look, I think um, you know it, with Pittard, it's just got to be consistency. If he plays like that every week, he's going to be All Australian, no doubt about it. Um, you know, his, his first two months last year were fantastic. Definite All-Australian form. And then he sort of fell away. So, you know, his challenge is to back that up uh, for the whole year this year. And if he does that, we're going to be playing finals. You know, he's creative. Um, he's an absolute beast of a player. Uh, Robbie Gray, second best. Um, is there a better all-round player in the game right now? I'm not sure there is, to be honest. He just keeps performing week after week. Doesn't matter where. Uh, you know, he goes in the midfield. You know he wins clearances. He goes up forward. He kicks goals. You know he's an absolute match winner.
1: Um, I hey, what Jack about Pops... um, just cut you off? Just yeah, to I'm... cut you off quickly. What about bloody Lee Matthews in the commentary uh, when Nick Maxwell's saying, "Oh, surely he's got to be in your top seven now." And and Lee Matthews' rebuttal was, "Oh, you know he's a good player, but you know there there are a dime a dozen those you know mid-range players." I was thinking, geez, that's." Uh, yeah. Diamond doesn't. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if. Uh, so he's I'd been a Brownlow favourite, two
0: time All Australian, best and fairest winner. Nah, Dimer doesn't, mate.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Dimer doesn't size a player, so, nah, he can't have him top seven, no way. Anyway, keep going.
0: I think the sunshine up north has got to his head, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah. I might anyway. have misquoted him just a little bit, but. Oh, good on you. <laughs> that's what he was intimating. But no, yeah. that's what he was intimating. I. I it, it sort of stood out to me like, what the hell are you saying there, Lee? Mm.
0: Anyway, Jack I had third best. I uh, thought he was fantastic down back. He kept Rewat quiet, but also he provided fantastic backup uh, run and, was, and, again, was an absolute beast with the spoils. I mean, he was just everywhere as that sort of third man up, uh, getting that sort of lucky fist in um, time and time again. And, you know, we probably would have lost if uh, if Holmshaw wasn't out there. Uh, Chad Wingard, I had fourth best. Um, you know, he's, he's probably played better games, but um, in terms of an all-round performance, I thought he that was just about his best game. 21 touches, three brilliant goals, had five other score involvements and uh, and a huge nine tackles as well, which was great. And Sammy Gray, I had fifth best. Uh, again, probably wasn't the best game he's played, but I thought he was super important when we were... Under the pump in the middle, in those uh, middle two quarters, I thought Sammy Gray was just about the only midfielder we had that was really standing up mm. and winning clearances um, at important times. And and again, you know, if we didn't have him out there, I'm not sure uh, we would have been all that successful. But look, his foot skills maybe weren't all that great, and he was probably the big culprit with the the kick and hopes that I spoke about a bit earlier. But you know, if he can fix those up, he's going to be an absolute ridiculously good player this year, and you know the sky's the limit. He could be best and fairest, even maybe a sneaky chance for all Australian.
1: Jeez, that'd be a good feel-good Port Adelaide story, wouldn't it? Sam Gray, best and fairest winner.
0: Certainly would. From uh, from everybody thinking he's uh, an absolute Monty to be delisted to to going, yeah. uh, you know, best and fairest and all Australian would be a uh, would be a massive story. Yeah.
1: That's a good massive call it's, after it's one great. game, Macca.
0: Well, it's not one game, is it? It's you know, two months at the end of last year, plus this one, plus his pre-season where he was fantastic. You know, he's going to be great this year Is that sort of... Who's going to tag him? When we've got guys like Boak, Hartlett, Ebert, Gray, uh, Wingard, Wines. I mean, you know, Sammy Gray's just going to run around like a lost dog because he's not going to get like any respect.
1: It's that Sam he, Mitchell theory, dominate. isn't it? Yeah. Mm.
0: Anyway, speaking of Sam Mitchell, uh, around the grounds, did you see much other footy this weekend?
2: Yeah, I saw a few. I watched the the richmond Carlton game. Yep. uh saw the, the Roos-Crows and uh, the Melbourne GWS game, which was a weird one to watch, um, and watched today's game between uh, Hawks and Geelong.
1: Yeah. Jeez, what else did you do this weekend? Not much. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I ate chocolate and drank.
1: Yeah, mate. Huh, we might have to swap wives or something because I, I got every time the footy was on, turn it over, put something else on. Far out. What I, the need hell? I need to earn some credits back. <laughs> well, what was so interesting with the Melbourne GWS game?
2: Um, well, the uh, the blatant barracking from the commentary team for for, the, for Melbourne, almost completely ignoring that GWS are out there. Um, no, but yes, yes, we're all used to that. Um, yes, it was. Look, I thought I thought Melbourne played pretty well, and I thought I thought GWS played pretty well. Um, I think they will be filthy that they lost it because I think they um, uh, they had themselves in a position to win it um, and had played played a reasonable game, um, but the D's sort of snatched it, and my oh God, they almost lost it. Like almost. <laughs> that last that last eight seconds, they um, uh, I just thought, oh, no, please don't, please don't kill them. <laughs> that would that would have just driven the driven the nail through the heart. Um, but no, I I thought Melbourne. They look like they're being coached effectively now. They look like their players mm-hmm. give a shit. Um, and as you said before, uh, Macca, Jack Watts, um, seeing him. Um, start to get some aggression into his game was quite good. Um, you know, really, really good to see. And, I mean, Viney, Viney's a class act. I, li- I like watching him play. Um, and, uh, yeah, overall, I thought it was an interesting game. I don't really have much love or hate for either of those teams, sort of ambivalence more than anything. But mm. um, watching that game, sort of nothing on the line, got caught up in the in the... In the excitement of well, okay, who's going to win?" Uh, couldn't have cared less, but yeah, it was it was a good one to watch. Mm.
0: What's a good one. I've got uh, no facts the... at all to back this up, but I feel like GWS do that a lot, where they play three really good quarters and then just fold to pieces in the last. It seems like that happens every sort of three or four weeks, and has done for about three or four years.
2: Mm. I reckon. Let's I actually have side. a theory on that. I, yeah, and I reckon they 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 have a feeling of a of a team of mercenaries. They they don't seem to have a lot of uh, cohesion beh- between the team. Um, and that's, look, this is just a, a hunch and sort of uh, my untrained eye watching it. But you, you don't sort of get the sense there's a lot of camaraderie between the players as you do with other other teams that you watch. Mm. No,
0: that's probably a well, good it's a theory. Yeah. No, that's a decent theory.
1: Other board... Are the Bulldogs the real deal this year? I only heard I heard half the game on the radio while I was driving, but they on the way to our game. But um, they sounded impressive via the commentary on the radio.
0: Yeah, look, that was almost my "what the hell" moment of the weekend. Was uh, just how bad Frio were. I mean, they were absolutely shocking for a, a Ross Lyon coach side to get absolutely pumped in round one like that, um, knowing how defensively sound they usually are. Um that was uh, that was quite extraordinary. And look, I think the Western Bulldogs quite possibly are the real deal this year. You know, they got a really good young list, very exciting, very quick, uh, lots of goal scoring options, um pretty dour down back. Uh yeah, you know, they got a really good squad.
1: Mm. They sound like they're running in waves still from continuing on from uh, from last year and they just outran Frio.
0: Yep, absolutely.
1: Are uh, the legs maybe giving up on the Dockers?
0: Well, they are a very old side. They're they're gunning for one last flag. And, you know, I I still had them finishing top two, I think, from memory. But um, maybe not. Maybe I've got to revisit that uh, prediction.
1: We've only played one game, though, Macca. Stick true. Very
0: true. Very, very true. But they did look a little bit tired out there. Maybe it was just one of those sort of off days. And, you know, speaking of that, um, I mean, Sydney absolutely obliterated Collingwood, who had... You know, Collingwood had a wonderful preseason, and everyone was talking them up. And I think it was something like ten goals to one at some stage during that game. So, um,
1: the rumour yeah, was some, half Sometimes them were you on just pingers. have a
0: bad day. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe they were all coming down. I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, they were all on their pingers and coming down. And <laughs> uh, well, well, Buckley was saying it wasn't fair, wasn't he? Not not to make excuses, but it wasn't fair that um, only Collingwood was. Isolated as the drug taking team, and I'd have to agree things. with
2: him. <laughs> it does seem a little bit weird that it's only Collingwood that's been named. Yeah,
1: very true. Yeah, well, we spoke about this in the preview show, didn't we? About yeah. the uh, it's a bit of a farce with the uh, uh, with what's going on with their drug policy. Mac is keen just for letting him to, uh, partake any time, any anywhere, anywhere, and just go your hardest. He doesn't care.
0: Pretty much, yeah.
1: What do you What do you reckon, Bomber?
2: Unless the AFL is going to do anything about it, I don't see any point in running the tests. Um, yeah. oh, they've got this three-strike policy, but it seems it's all weighted towards uh, protecting the players. And I, I sort of get that to a certain extent. But I, I reckon one strike um, uh, one strike, you keep your anonym <laughs> anonymity and then anything after that it's your your name's on the register we start to put you through
1: um, but should it yeah, but it should, it, should it not should it not be disclosed to the club i mean isn't that really detrimental to the player's welfare i mean surely you know the club educating the player and uh, and trying to help them uh, you know you see the think, error in their ways
2: you would think taking the drugs in the first place would be detrimental to their welfare as well so yeah, well, you would. i mean it's the, the players are the players have done the wrong thing clearly. Let's let's not feed around the bush. So I, I don't think there should be too much done in the name of protecting the players. Obviously, there's uh, there's other issues at play, and I mean I I, I believe my my sense of the, the Buddy Franklin issue is that these this this is tied in with that um, that. Long-term, long-term use of some of these substances can lead to, to mental illnesses and anxiety and, you know, they're, they're symbiotic. It's not an either-or situation. So I think that the, the players need to take responsibility for what they put in their body as much as they do with performance-enhancing things and um, supplements. They've got to do the same with the, the recreational stuff, whether it's having a beer on a Saturday or a wine or with dinner or snorting a few lines at the club. Um, <laughs> no, you know, no, it's, they're, they're, it's all part of the same thing.
1: That's it. What about um, our tall forwards coming back? Josh Kennedy kicked eight goals. I you hope know, so. Our man, our man could have kicked six goals if he took some more marks. Is is it uh, the game pardon me, evolving back to the, uh, the tall forward?
2: I hope so, because that's the footy I grew up with, and that's the
1: you know, the big
2: gorilla in the forward square kicking, uh, kicking a bag every week. I mean, that's the – you saw the anticipation yesterday when the ball went into the goal square with um, Dixon one-on-one with a secure defender. That's that's what people love. They love that kind of thing, and it's all about kicking the goals. Mm-hmm. And as good as the defenders are, and, you know, we've got big wraps for our defend- defensive unit, that – It's not sexy. It's not what people pay their money to come and see.
0: Quick chat about the SNFL. Port played Norwood on Thursday night um, and despite uh, being competitive came away with a 25 point loss. Uh, The Maggies were outscored seven goals five to two goals one in the middle two quarters. Uh, which ended up uh, being the match, really. Uh, Dougal Howard was the only multiple goal scorer with three. Um, I guess there's a few players that we should briefly talk about. Uh, The first one being Jimmy Tumpus. He had uh, 25 touches. Um, I didn't see the game, but rumour has it that his ball use was uh, less than impressive. Uh, With Whitey out for some amount of time, does that mean Tumpus might be the first one back in? Or will we, we be looking at someone like Aaron Young, who was arguably best on ground? Or maybe someone like Carl Amon, who is a bit more like for like with uh, with Matty White?
1: I like your call on Amon. I think that's the way to go. I think uh, go like for like, and uh, we don't want to lose that speed.
0: Yep. He's got the speed. He can play on the wing. Can play at forward. He kicks goals. He's got really good skills. So I think um, I think he should be the one coming in this week. Um, which is a shame for Jimmy unless someone else gets dropped uh, because I really want to see Jimmy in the AFL side. I think he'll uh, he'll perform very well if he gets his chance. And again, it wouldn't surprise me if he does get his chance this week against the Crows. Um, Aaron Young, he was fantastic. He had twenty six touches, nine clearances, and six inside fifties. I guess the uh, the man of the moment, Dougal, he was the talking point. He had uh, 12 yeah. touches, 18 hit-outs, five clearances, and kicked three goals. The man can do it all.
1: The Dougal. The Dougal. The Dougs. Can we get him in? What do you reckon, Bomber? Can we fit him in? Not, Not yet. <laughs> no? yet. No. Yeah. No. So, does it mean we'd have <laughs> to do, drop Loby, play Jackson as the full-time ruck... And have uh, have Dougal as a roaming ruckman
2: not in a showdown
1: absolutely no, not I'm not, saying, I'm not yeah. saying for the showdown I'm saying in general oh, okay
2: yeah maybe later in the year I I, I just think um, yeah I'm with Ken you don't want to you don't want to um, impede his development by throwing mm. him in too early is that what he Ken so what Ken said.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah, and that's well, he's, he's mentioned it
2: in regards to Howard and and Frampton, I think. So yeah, and it's yeah he's he's a big believer in just get, letting them build their uh, build their confidence, develop their their game, and racking up, you know, air nfl games that are that are consistent and high high level. Mm. Um, one thing I'd like this was the first Port Norwood game I've missed at the parade for years. Um, and it got to, to the point where I had a decision to make between watching Richmond versus Carlton um, or going to the parade, and I actually chose to watch Richmond versus Carlton, which is probably yeah, yeah. It's sort of um, uh, it's a bit of a change in the mindset, and you know, maybe watching the train crash, the potential train crash of ah, Richmond losing to Carlton, or um, some horses going wild on the on the oval. It sort of outweighed going along to something that I'd been doing regularly for for a good, you know, six, seven years. Um, and, you know, quite close by, it wasn't like a big hike to get there. Yeah. Um, so I was, in the end, I sort of was a little bit disappointed I didn't go and see these guys play, but I think it sort of sums up the position of um, of the NFL now and how it's really starting to diminish. Um, you're really only going to go and watch a game if you... If you're, a, if you're a hardcore supporter. Um, I couldn't see myself going to any other game unless I, I head down to Aladdin for one.
0: No, that's an yeah, interesting call. Cool. Yeah, that's definitely fair enough. I <laughs> yeah. guess...
1: Uh, well, there's two sets. Yeah.
0: No, that's fair. Yeah,
1: I'd... Two sets of supporters.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's no, no shame in that, I don't think. Well, no. I, don't, I don't... Look... I mean, it's very, very hard I, for me to get I to SNFL games same. anyway. <laughs> it's very hard for me to get to SNFL games because I live in the country, but um, mm. when I do, I try and make sure that I go to Hmm.
1: Well, you get bullied if you go to Norwood too, apparently. Even women and children are fair game over there.
2: Mm. That was the other thing I was going to raise. How how much can we take out of our... Um, uh, out of the performance of the players when they play teams like Norwood. Because Norwood, Norwood, um, when they play Port in the SNFL, they go out and they, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a bit of a different style of game uh, when you play Norwood. Last one I went to last year was the Anzac Day at Adelaide Oval, and it was just, I don't know, spiteful, niggly. Didn't, it was not really a game of football. It was more of a um, one team trying to make a statement against another one.
0: Plus, they're full of X AFL players, and you know the SNFL is all about no AFL in the SAFL. So,
2: yeah, grassroots and all.
0: With their uh, ten X AFL players in the Nord lineup, <laughs> supporting grassroots footy at the parade. There we go. I guess the only other player I want to talk about is uh, our man Johnny Butcher. Uh, two kicks. One handball, one mark, one goal. It's not good enough. No, absolutely not. But uh, yeah, it's it's definitely not good enough. He's just got to do more. And you know, three touches in a game of footy uh, just isn't anywhere near acceptable. Um, and look, this has gone for a long time, so I guess we'll uh, we'll cut it out uh, now uh, and say a, a big thank you for coming on again, Bomber.
2: Not a problem. Good to do it.
0: And Rick, it is uh, sometimes a pleasure.
1: <laughs> it's so funny. I know deep down you love me. It's um, I'd like to hear uh, other people's what the hell moments from the weekend. So for our few listeners that listen live, mm-hmm. feel free to chat away. Was there much chat action tonight, Mac? Uh, none
0: at all. None at all. None at all. Oh, actually, everyone's we've sleeping. Got Dylan. Here we go. We've got Dylan. He says, "Big big <sighs> ups to." Bomber Clifford for the West Off love so good on you Ah,
1: good work awesome but but yes once again pleasure I know how you put up with me but you do you must you're a gladness for punishment
0: I'm a king amongst men mate so uh, always happy to help out the less fortunate like yourself so
1: there we go that's very good (laughs) good work (laughs)
0: <laughs> Don't forget, everybody out there, to listen to the other shows on the Port Fan Radio Network. Uh, we had the Game Day podcast do their, uh, their pre-game show um, a couple of days ago before the game. And the Port Adelaide pair have started up again uh, tonight, in fact. Uh, they finished their show before we started. So, definitely go and check out their first show for the season.
1: And I think ours starting his show tomorrow night. I think if they, if they are, I'll post something up. All right.
0: It sounds good.
1: But, uh, Keep an ear out, and we got Matt's, and we got Matt's Wednesdays show, yeah, with the Maggie's.
0: That's it. Awesome. All right, until Thanks, next
1: guys. One. Count the pay. Ciao, ciao. Bye, ciao. See you later.
0: No.